0: Amen. You may be seated. I want to speak to you for just a few minutes on what I have just titled off quickly as I begin to think about this scripture and this service and this message. Hopefully, short is recipe for revival. The recipe for revival. My mind automatically went to this uh, scripture, and as I was thinking about this week, and Brother Kenny's coming in to preach the gospel, and and we know, you know, we're preparing our hearts. In, in our minds, in our spirits, our souls, to accept what it is that God wants to do with us and what God wants to do in us. Because when Brother Kenny gets here, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he is going to preach to each and every one of us. Somehow, some way, God's going to hit us. He's going to get us, and we need that. You know, it's going to be good. Some of it's going to be rough. Some think we're going to find ourselves in altar and praying and repenting. But nevertheless, revival is a good thing. And, you know, we always, and it's like Brother Andy was saying this morning, you know, like the battle hymn of the public has become a, uh, just kind of a, a tradition here at the church uh, for this particular uh, service that we, this weekend that we commemorate. You know, even so, when we are getting ready to go into actual revival service, it is uh, traditional, I guess you could say, in the hearts and lives of his people, our congregation, to go through a time of preparation before we enter into uh, the revival service. Because if you think back, and if you can remember as a kid, I don't know what denomination you may have went to, if you were always Pentecostal, if you went to another denomination, I know I did, but revival was a special time. Revival was a time where everybody seemed excited, everybody seemed... Uh, excited about coming to church and, and to seeing what uh, you know God was going to do. And it was just a time to reflect and to examine our own hearts and our own lives in order to uh, get to that place where we feel like that uh, God could revive us, restore us, if you will, to that place where we would be basically, in, in my words and thinking, set on fire by the Holy Ghost in order to go out and do the work that God has called us to do. The message that brother uh, um, brother Moses uh, preached this morning. This is. Couldn't see brother Moses real good. That thing was too close. So you know we have got to go over and do the other one. I'm going to cut five minutes off because of this, and I apologize. You, you look up and you see it out of the corny eye, and it really kind of kind of gets you. It's like, what is that? I keep seeing. All due respect, to both flags. But he preached on the three T's. He preached on what is important to us in, in, in the way that we uh, uh, spend our time. He preached to us about what our talents that God have given us are and that are we using them for him? We should be. And he also preached to us about our treasure. And you know, you think about revival uh, in the day as we're fixing to enter into this time of revival, it's... We have never as a city, as a county, as a state, or as a nation, and we've probably said this a thousand times, but we've never needed revival. I do not believe more than we've ever needed it right now. I mean, if we can look at the, you know, and it's always been something. I mean, it's always been something down through the years that we face, faced, that we've dealt with, that the church has dealt with, that the world, the uh, uh, climate has just been so off kilter in one way or the other. And, you know, and now here we are in 2019, and, and we're facing what we're facing. It seems like our country's divided. It seems like the left is going further left. And the right's just trying to hang on. I mean, we're just trying to hang on to some, some sense of morality in this country, some sense of normalcy, listen, that our children really need for us to hang on to. I mean, and if we do not take the time in our home, this thing's going to go to sleep on me if I ain't careful. I didn't want it to do that. But if we're not careful, we will lose, listen, the normal existence and the normal culture Brother Moses talked about, we'll lose that normal uh, 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 way of life that we have now. It's being threatened even now as we speak. All the things that they're trying to pass through Congress, they're trying to pass and make law and to impose upon us Christians, and, and not to mention that the enemy of Christianity, listen, is already at work. I mean, it has rose to the, uh, the ranks of leadership Listen, in the halls of our government, if you don't think that there are people right now behind the scenes that are trying to wipe out Christians, it's a religion. They have their own religion all attributed to exactly that, just eradicate the infidels, just just take them out, wipe them out. If September 11, 2001 wasn't a lesson for us, and you know that you know people got right, people got in church. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen? And what happened two, three, four months down the road? Two years down the road? Five, ten, fifteen years down the road? It just seems like oh yeah, that's that happened. But you know it doesn't take away from the principle of what took place. That was the enemy of of our country. It's the enemy of all that we call uh, decent and, and moral. The enemy of Christianity came right in and done the damage to this country. Listen, that the enemy intended for that to do. What's it going to take for this country to turn around? I couldn't help but notice when I was uh, getting ready for this message was to think about where God has put us positionally right now as a country, and and, and I know go back to that, but but it just it is what it is because. We've been blessed with a president who is for the Jewish people. I mean, he is 110% for the Jewish people, the country, the nation of Israel. We have a vice president who is a Christian who makes no bones about uh, what he is and where his allegiance is. And, And I think that's God just allowing us a small space of time, a window, if you will, in order for us to be able to rise up and be the church that he called us to be. You know, and if we're going to have revival, and we know we're going to have what we call revival services around here this week, it's going to be great. I mean, we, we all know if, you, if you've come, if you've been in revival service here at Pentecostal Worship Center, you just it's not something that you want to miss. You know, the past three or four years, uh, Sister Tony and I and our family, somehow it worked out to where we were gone or something came up, and we've not been able to make uh, a couple of them, and, and I've missed that. I mean, you missed that spiritually throughout the year because that is a time when we get our tank filled, so to speak, or refilled, and, and it, it's just a time to take stock and to look at where we are. And the message that Brother Moses uh, preached this morning just goes right along with what we're fixing to enter into, where God has uh, called us, our time that he has called us to, the, the talent and the treasure. But, you know, I, I as I was thinking, and I'll get back to the text here in just a minute, if we're going to have revival, if our nation, if our country is going to somehow pull out of this, this, you know, here's the sad thing about it. You know, I'm 45 years old. People like Brother Richie and my wife and others that are my age, we know what we feel like normal is. We, we can remember the way we were raised we can remember uh, going to the house of the Lord. We can remember that uh, God and country, our flag, uh, our nation, our military, our law enforcement, they were, they were people and things that we respected and revered. And now we have a generation, listen, that if we don't do our job as the church, they will not have that same respect for these things that we hold dear. Our constitution. That is the dearest document outside of the Holy Bible that we have as a country that we operate on, that we are founded upon. But we have a generation that they're, they're seeing everything under the sun that our parents and our grandparents taught to my generation that was dear and that was necessary and needful to exist and to live a good, moral, clean life. They're seeing a whole different ball game, whole different presentation put to them, that none of that stuff matters, that you just do whatever you want to. I seen a lady on on some uh, network, I don't don't know what it was, but she had a uh, bullhorn, what I call them, and she was screaming out to the top of her lungs just very short phrases and she was making a speech about how... They were pro-abortion, and they were going to continue to fight to be able to have abortions. And I think Brother Jeff Duval. I mean, this was a uh, this was a national syndicate uh, that that had posted this short video, and Brother Jeff from Drive Out of Baptist Church commented on there something like, uh, uh, "Yeah, it's your right, and it, and it's your." Uh, uh, body or something but you're doing it at the expense of murdering a baby he just called it what it was and you know for somebody I mean to get on a pedestal with a bullhorn and to die on the mountain of you know you have those moments in life where you're going to stand up for something and you're not going to back down you're you're not going to let go you're going to fight for it but they have chosen to fight on the mountain of killing innocent children I mean, how far left, how, how, uh, how uh, degraded have, have we become as a nation, as a people, to see that these, these folks are so uh, brainwashed, if you will, to get up there and basically preach, or what they would do, to declare that that is the way to go, that's what we're about, we don't care what you believe. We don't care what you think. We don't care about the sanctity of human life and, and the value of it. But we're going to do what we want to do. And we see more things. We see other things, that, that things that, that I'm not trying to get political, but that threaten the very existence of our democracy, of our republic, of our ability listen to have those basic rights that we all have enjoyed for so many years. The freedom of religion, the freedom of speech. And we have those that are coming up through the, the, the ranks of, uh, of government that seek to pull those things away from us. And, you know, we've got, we've got a great president. You know, I, I mean, you know, everybody has got their issues, Okay. I got mine, y'all got y'alls, y'all probably know what mine are, I may or may not, and don't really want to know what y'alls are, but, it, it, you know, I mean, is that just real, is that just real preaching, okay, I mean, you know, we got, uh, you know, people in our family that drive you crazy, maybe we are the people in our family that's <laughs> driving our family crazy, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, We all, you know, have that, but I can't help to think that God has brought these things to a place to where he is allowing an opportunity, listen, for the church to be the church. But if we're going to have a turnaround, if we're going to see anything change in our laws and our legislation, if we're going to see any kind of dynamic shift towards what is decent and what is moral and what is wholesome, where we're not afraid to take our children out in public to a public gathering for fear of what they may hear or what they may be exposed to, or we can simply turn on the television and even on the news, and be afraid for what our children may. I tell you, I, just Tanya, tell you, when my, the news went on, the news station went on, my kids, until they were a certain age, they didn't hear a lot of that. And the, even still, when they got on to a certain age, they still didn't hear a lot of that craziness on there. I turned it off. Somebody got on there, so and so done so and so in the name of so and so. And it's the most horrendous, hideous. Uh, stuff that will just melt your ears, but they didn't hear that, and they don't need to hear it. But if we're going to have a shift to where we turn back to what our founding fathers intended for this country to be and the church to be, listen, it is only going to come through the church. Revival, listen, will not come through Wall Street. Revival will not come through our city council, our county uh, council. uh, commissions. It won't come through our governors or our representatives. Listen, revival is only going to come through the vehicle, through the body of Christ that God has ordained and that is the church and that is us. And I think what we have to do and what I have to do is I was, uh, you know, studying over this and the Lord just started giving me these thoughts and I've done my strings and then went to sleep so maybe I'll be alright without them. Is that It has to start with me. It has to start with you. It has to start with us as a local body. Revival's got to start somewhere. And and, and there was a note I wrote down. This wind keeps blowing the Bible page. That when we decide to get serious with God... That is when God will get very serious with us. But you know, you will never meet him on that level. You will never get sincere and serious and and cry your guts out and pray your heart out to God. Listen, where he will not meet you on that same level or a greater level. There will never be a time when you get to the place in your spirit when you're just, God, I need you. God, I'm crying out to you. God, this is, Lord, I, I want to do your will. I want, to, I want you to send a revival. Lord, you see what my family's going through. Lord, you see what's coming upon uh, this nation and our culture. When you get serious with God, there has never been a time when you pray earnestly in whatever it is that you pray that God withholds Himself from you. And says, No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to let you feel nothing. I'm not going to. Now, there's times when God withholds, and that's usually a time of growing of our own self. And I've been there, and you've been there, and we said amen. And Lord, we just soon not go back there if we can help it, but we know that we will. But I'm talking about when it counts, folks. When we get serious with God. When we get on our knees and we cry out to the Lord, as Brother Greg did here several months ago when he stood up and testified. Brother Greg, ain't even here. He's here. It don't matter if he's here. Testified and he cried out to the Lord. I mean, he cried out to God as it's defined in Scripture. When we get to that point, God will hear and he will respond. Let's look at our text one more time before we get, get to the end here. Solomon finished all the work, all the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all that came. I've got to get something to hold this page down. Into Solomon's heart, to make in the house of the Lord, and in his own house he prosperously affected. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. And have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. See, God was getting ready to do a work. Solomon had built, built a temple. He had built a temple at the direction of his father David and at the direction of the Lord. Because God said Solomon is going to build the temple. So God's getting ready to do something. He's getting ready to occupy and fill. He actually already has. He has filled this place with his glory. And so he, he's telling Solomon, look, I've heard your prayer. And I have chosen this place for a place that I will dwell, a place for myself, a house of prayer, a house of worship where I will receive sacrifice. But it's almost like in verse 13, he says, But if, if I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, it's almost like the Lord saying, but if something happens, and it don't rain for a little while, or maybe all these bugs come up all over the earth, and, and they're, they're just... Eating you up and pestilence comes among the people. He said, if something was to happen in your culture, in your generation, that comes up that just don't seem right or just don't set right or or, or somehow whatever it might be, he says, then if, in verse 14, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal heal their land. The thing about God and his mercy and his graciousness and his kindness and his gentleness and his loving kindness and his foresight, his insight, his infinite wisdom and knowledge, even though... The children of Israel were in a great place right here spiritually. They were doing exactly what they were needed to do. They were crossing the T and dot and I. I mean, they just had it stacked line upon line, precept upon precept, doing exactly what God had commanded them to do. But God saw what would happen in the future. And basically what he's saying here is, look, when you get a little lax and things get a little loose, and you mess up, you choose to backslide, you choose to sin, and if all these come up on you because you sin, because you messed up, because you done something you weren't supposed to do, he says, if you will pray. He says, if, and this is the four things I want to share with you. I'll try to share them with you quickly. Four things I want you to notice: if my people, who were called. By my name, maybe this is where I can walk. One thing that we must understand and never forget, and this is something that the enemy has bombarded me and has bombarded every Christian probably in this sanctuary tonight, is you do not forget who you are. Do not forget who you are. God said here in the 14th verse, He says, If my people, I can't shake this thing because it's messing up. It does something different. Every time I shake it, So I'm trying not to. He says, If my people who were called by my name, listen, He has allowed us to carry His very name. And not is it only important for us to remember who we are, but listen, it is important for us as the Pentecostal Worship Center of Somerville, Georgia, that God has ordained and has saw fit to bless us with 30 years of ministry partnership with a man and a woman of the caliber of Moses and Amaji Chowdhury. Not only to remember who we are, but listen, to remember who he is. He is God. And beside him there are no other. And see, we get so bottled down, we get so burdened down, Brother Richie, with with life and the circumstances of life. Our problems and our circumstances and our poor little pitiful uh things that we have happened. Listen, I'm not discounting because some of them are some of them are horrendous. I mean, some of them are ginormous. And I, I tell you, they're, they're you know. I think about some of those that have never personally affected me, that have affected other people in the lives of this congregation more than I think about my own. But we can get so distracted by those that we forget who God is. And we forget how big our God is. And we forget that, listen, all this that's going on, this is not taking God by surprise and he has got a plan and he's working everything out to the good for those that love the Lord. I really shudder to say this. I really shudder to say this. That Brother Kenny Moore stood right behind this pulpit and he says, I'll tell you, I do not understand it. But he said, But somehow. In this circumstance, God is receiving the greater glory. Folks, I can't even begin to define what that means. But when he said that, something touched me. Something got a hold of me. That man, that is the only answer that there is for this. Somehow, as bad as this is, and as bad as this circumstance is, somehow, through that, even though it has affected God's people, and God's people on a national level have been affected by the crisis and the circumstance that we're in, but somehow that this is going to go far better to the glory of God, listen, than it has went to our hurt. If we shall humble ourselves and in my notes I put and remain humble, you know humility is a it's a it's a funny thing I guess it's it's something that is on the forefront of my mind a lot and I don't know you know I don't know where in in my childhood that god i hope I feel like graciously taught me a lesson uh, by that. But anytime there's been an increase, anytime there's been a step up, or anytime there's been a time of blessing, the Lord has always been quick to remind me, humility. Humility. Be humble. Stay humble. And I have done my best, and I'm not pat myself on the back, but I have done myself best before God and each and every time and each and every circumstance to remember that humility is what God is after in his people he says if we will humble ourselves if we will be poor in spirit as the beatitudes say blessed are they that are poor in spirit for rich what? they shall be They shall be filled. Let's just look and see what it says. Richie's my walking Bible. and I depend on him a lot to finish verses. It's the first one. How about that? It's the first thing that Jesus chose to teach on in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If we take last seat here, listen, we're taking first seat over yonder. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm glad with any seat I get. But listen, I go back to a dream that I had, and Sister Shirley recalled this several years ago in a, in a Sunday school lesson she was teaching. She remembered it, and she recalled it years after I made it known to the congregation that me and my dad went in the rapture, and my whole family went in the rapture, but I found Dad when I got to heaven right after the rapture took place, and I said, Dad, we made it. Dad, I made it. Like, there was a question if I was going to make it or not. I think we all sometimes deal with that in our own lives. Lord, am I gonna, Lord, just let me make it. And Sister Joan, we got to make it. That's one of her biggest phrases is, we got to make it. She says that at camp. Or, or, at, uh, when, when we're, or is that Sister Ruthie? Sister Joan, we got to make it. But I just want to make it. And when he says, humble yourself, poor in spirit, it's, it's, it's synonymous. He says, and then if they will pray and seek my face, anything that comes to us that's been said, and I think it was uh, Martin Luther that said it, from God will come to us through prayer. Anything that we receive of God will come to us through prayer. Anything God does, He does only in answer to prayer. Now, we know God. We know God can make a decision to do whatever He wants to do. But listen, when it comes to us and when it comes to our circumstance and when it comes to the circumstance that our nation is in, and you and I both know that we stand in need of a great revival in this country, it will come on the wings of prayer. And who is it that's going to pray Wall Street, Hollywood—they for such Georgia, good riddance. Y'all can just go right on, cause I do not care. Y'all need, y'all need Jesus. I mean, that's what they need, and they need and we need to pray for them, you know. And I, and I, I shouldn't even say this, but I admit, there, man, really, he's for abortion, you know. And I, you know, hang ups. I mean, you know, whatever. But when we will pray, and if we'll pray. God will move. If we'll turn from our wicked ways, and I need to read this one, we must allow the Lord to examine our own lives. We must allow Him to examine our practices. I'll throw in our routines, our speech, our words, our thoughts, and the very intense intent of our heart. As David said in the book of Psalms, or in Psalms, And Lord, see if there be any wicked thing in me. See if there's anything in me that is wicked. You know, and the thing about it is I'm preaching to a Sunday night crowd or speaking to a Sunday night crowd. You know, it's not that I'm sitting here saying that we've individually committed some gross sin or as a congregation have committed some gross sin. But if we could just stand in the place of our nation for just a minute, because we are. America. We are the United States. And take that responsibility upon ourselves. And if we could do what the verse says next. And turn from our wicked ways. Which is simply to say, if we would just repent. If we would just repent. Now, I don't know about you, but when I pray, every time I pray, I repent. I mean, I just do that. I mean, I just, Lord... I don't want anything to be between me and you. Lord, forgive me of it. Help me. And I, I pray that prayer. I get that out there because I prayed it this afternoon. I said, Lord, I don't want anything to hinder tonight's message. I don't want anything to hinder from me being able to be used by the Spirit of God, for anything to interrupt that flow of the anointing of the Spirit to just touch my mouth and for the only the words that come out of my mouth to come directly from you. I said, if there's any sin, if there's anything there, well, guess what? Well, this we need to deal with. This we need started dealing with some things specific only to me. But if we'll repent, and then it says, then God will hear us, and He will heal us. And I've already said it that revival, the recipe for revival in this scripture, we find it's only going to come. If we, the church, follow the steps for him to send it. There ain't nobody else looking for revival, folks. You folks on the job, if they ain't Christians, they ain't looking for revival, Sister Maddie. The folks that we pray for that need Jesus looking, they ain't looking for revival. But listen, they hoping that revival will show up in you. Because as much as you're around them, they know something is missing in their life. And the Spirit of God, listen, which possesses your body is evident and prevalent among them, and they know the difference. And when we get on fire and we have that true time of revival and the Holy Ghost comes down and burns out the dross and, Lord, I know I need it burn out and burns it out in all of us and sets us on fire and we go back to that job the next day or the next week and people see a difference And then they ask, what's that difference? What's the scripture say? Be ready to give an answer. And I, boy, I really hate, I really hate to say this. And Don is going to laugh at me. But it has taken a turn with me, this phrase. But to see what Jesus has done for me. Jesus has done everything for me. He has saved me. He has called me with a holy calling. He has set us free from the chains of sin and bondage. He has changed our direction, our eternal destiny, from one of, 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 of judgment and one of darkness to one of eternal joy and eternal happiness and eternal peace. And when you realize that, in whatever level that you realize it, I can sit here and think about Brother Richie. Man, he's on cloud nine every day. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I can think about me and my own life and the skirmishes I've been in. The Lord has spared me. The Lord has saved me. Even when I didn't deserve to be saved, Brother Greg. But He done it for me anyway. But to know what Jesus has done for me This whole message reminded me of one last scripture, and I'll I'll read it, and we're going to close, and I thought this was going to be 15 minutes. I told Brianna on uh, FaceTime, she said, you preaching that? I said, yep, 15 minutes. I'm going to quit saying that. It just didn't work. Let's let's look at just a couple of scriptures as we're fixing to close. I mean, we're really fixing to close. look at verse 12, chapter 2. Uh, Acts, chapter 2, verse 12. All the people come bulling out of the upper room, and all the people that were standing around, let's look at verse 11. Christians and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues, the, in our tongues the wonderful works of God, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? And others mocking, saying, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them. And he starts preaching to them about Jesus. And this Jesus that you took and crucified by evil hands, God has made him both the Lord and the Christ. Listen to what the result was. Now when they heard this, verse 37, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And as I was closing this time of study out with this, this scripture came to my mind. And the answer that Peter gives to him in verse 38 he said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's almost like after we read this 14th verse of 2 of Chronicles and we. See all the things that the Lord is instructing us to do. And He tells us that when we've done all these things, that then He will hear from heaven and He will heal our land. We ask ourselves tonight this same question. This is kind of the way it hit me. Was Pentecostal Worship Center? Men and brethren. What shall we do now? We live in one of the greatest times that we have the greatest opportunity, and I know this has been said from the pulpit, but this has been on my heart with this message, to be the church that Jesus intended for us to be. But we must ask ourselves a question. Men and brethren, what shall we do? And we've got to follow Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. We've got to turn to the Lord. We've got to remember who we are. We've got to pray. We've got to repent. And then when we do that, He will hear us. He will heal us. Acts 3, what we just read. He will baptize us with the Holy Ghost, fill us. Listen, set us on fire. So that we can be the church that he intended for us to be. It's not going to happen. I'll say this and I'll hush. It's not going to happen with any other club. We're not a club. It's not going to happen with the Optimist Club. It's not going to happen with the Rotary Club. It's not going to happen with the Garden Society. But if this nation is going to turn around before the rapture takes place. If there's going to be a great revival. Then revival has to. It has to. It has to begin with me. It has to begin with you. Would you stand this evening?